Hello, welcome to the Nappy Social Podcast. I'm your host, Sharin, and here we are with another episode on the podcast. I'm so excited today. I'm like really super excited. We've been trying to get this this thing together for a while. <laughs> but <Yes. laughs> but hey, the universe has aligned and we are on and popping. <laughs> I yes. have with me today my co-host, Mr. Lodi himself. What's up? And on the line we have, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. How about that? Who who are you? Who do we have on the line t- today? <laughs> Hi, everyone. I am Debbie Asha Ivory. Um, I go by Debbie for short. Um, everybody knows me by Debbie or Didi. I'm a realtor. I'm located in the DFW, um, Dallas, Texas, and um, I'm licensed in the whole state of Texas. And I love to help people buy their home, lease an apartment, uh, find an investment property, Um Anything you can think of, um, I'm your go-to for it. So um, I'm very happy to be on the Nappy uh, Social Podcast today. I'm so thankful for you guys, and thank you for having me. Oh, awesome. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're into real estate. Yes. Okay, yes. so how, got- how did that come about? Okay, so basically, if we go all the way back, um Basically, ever since I was 11 years old, um, my dad had recently got out of prison when I was 11. And he went to prison when I was about, I want to say, five or six. And over the course of the time he was in prison, we wrote letters to each other. Mm-hmm. And he would always tell me how successful I was going to be. He always talked about how um, I'm going to you know, reach for the stars. And it's so funny because my dad had wrote me um, a letter one time and he said, hey, you know, um, you're going to be very successful and you're going to go to Harvard. Well, wow. (laughs) Talking about trying to speak something into existence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and, you know, I told my family members, I showed them the letters like my dad. I believed every single thing to this day. I believed every single thing my dad said, you know, Um, unfortunately, I didn't go to Harvard. And, you know, uh, I did have family members. They say, you'll never go to Harvard. But here's the thing. I believe I will go one day. Not necessarily not saying I will go as an attendee as far as a student, but I may have to speak there one day or I may have to travel there one day or I may sell a piece of real estate. You know, you just never know. So Mm -hmm. he he put that in the letter. But I know one thing that he was trying to do was prepare me for success. And that's something he's always pushed me for. So when he got out of prison, I was about 11 years old. I mean, this man literally, if you know anything about Scorpios, they put their mind to something and they just (laughs) just get it done. (laughs) Yes. So when he got out of prison, um, he moved to Houston, Texas. He was actually in prison in in Huntsville, Texas. So he moved to Houston, Texas, and he got with a mortgage company and he built, um, he was with them for about a year. And then he went on his own. He built his own mortgage company. And around this time, this is about 2007, 2008. So he's, you know, booming and then boom, you know, the market crash, you got all these short sales, um, you got, you know, pretty I much the big those, short, those the, short sales, yeah, the, which really exactly. is a long sale, but <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a so, short sale. Right. Right. And so, 
um, he actually um, built his own mortgage business and uh, he kind of fell with everyone else. I mean, he lost houses. Um, he had to, you know, liquidate everything. And I did remember, you know, when I did visit him, mind you, I didn't really grow up with my father. Um, he lived a fast life, but I always knew him as being very successful mm -hmm. in whatever he did. And the time I did go visit him one summer, he showed me a check and I would never forget this check. Mm. Um, he was like, um, he basically, he was like, yeah, I'm about to close on this house. And me and my sister, we want to see the amount. We want to see the amount. And he was like, oh, this is just a small one. And it showed uh, Robert Sharp. $12,000. Mm. I was like, yeah. okay. I remember that as a kid, you know, so. Hey, daddy came with the receipts. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> at the time he was in this big mansion. Um, unfortunately my dad lost almost, well, he did lose everything. Um, he got, it got to the point where it was people in different, you know, homes and they had to move out mm. and I'm going on a rant with that, but basically. Oh, it's okay. It's inspiring. It yeah, it, he it it showed me that you can have all of this money and then you lose everything, oh, yeah. you know. You and know, like, um, like a fall from grace. Yes, you yes. Know. And just my background alone, you know, my dad, um, when he got out of prison, you know, and he went through all that stuff, he did, you know, suffer from, you know, alcoholism drug abuse and things of that nature. And I grew up around drug abuse, alcoholism from almost everyone in my family. And so I wanted a different outlook in my life. The My life, I was really supposed to be on stripper pole. Yeah. I, I am. And I say that wholeheartedly because I was raised in an environment in El Dorado, Arkansas, where you literally, um, you are sex uh, possession yeah. by the age of eight, nine years old, Maybe. like men that are in thirties and they're starting to, they look at you like you're a grown woman. Yeah. And so Predators. for me, yeah. And for me, I had to fight through that. I had to fight through molestation. I had to fight through all these different things. And I knew a goal in my mind. I knew my dad had went through all this stuff. But I knew what he taught me yes. and my dad wasn't in my household and he didn't may, may buy me like, um, you know, food or whatever, clothes for school or whatever, or came to my events or whatever. But one thing he did give me was knowledge. Yeah. And that's something I never let go of. So as I got older, um, he eventually got in the trucking business and I just kind of monitor what he did. And he will always, no matter what career he got into, he would educate me on it. Mm -hmm. And um, as wow. I went to high school... Yeah, as I went to high school, um, I, ha I had some bad times. I would get kicked out of school. I would get in a lot of fights. And I had to isolate myself. And then I got into relationships that didn't mean me well. And they tried to deter me from going to college or deter me to do this and do that. But I, I had in the back of my mind, no, you are successful. You're too smart for this. You're going to go to get a college degree. No matter if everybody around you is a college dropout, you're going to you're going to go get it, you oh, know? Man. And so, so you were yeah. basically, you know, encouraging yourself and doing that positive self-talk. Exactly. That we all and should do. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I had to for? be my, 
Yes, I had to be my biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I had to be my biggest cheerleader because my mom, she was a country girl. You know, she she did she she graduated high school. She did a little bit of college and she her thing was men. She loved men. And, you know, sometimes that came before my education or came before what I needed for myself, what she needed to do for her children. And so I had to put myself in position because in my situation, I was not supposed to make it this far. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't. So I went to college. I majored in public, uh, public uh, relations and marketing. And um, I, I was over um, students for the propagation of black culture. I was over um, KCA. I was, in so many different organizations and I always knew that I had to do leadership. But one thing yeah. about college, what it taught me, college taught me that I could actually be that child that I needed to be. I could be in those organizations. I could be involved and it helped me evolve to who I really was and not yes. this person that people portray you to be in small towns. Oh, if that I makes sense. It. Oh, I love it. So I was able to walk to a college in like, Oh my God, I feel like a kid. I feel like a kid in the candy store. I feel like a kid that has rich parents. I can do whatever because everything's free <laughs> on college. I yeah. mean, of course, we all in student loan debt. And so it's not free, but it feels free from a from a yeah. kid that didn't grow up with much, you know? Right. So it was almost like, okay, I can step into this arena and there's no judgment. There's no uncle looking at me. There's no auntie saying I'm fast or there's no, no guidance. It's just, everything was just right there. It, and it, it so, was, you know, the environment, you know, mm -hmm. people don't realize how much their environment can actually affect them. And so basically yes. you were able to get out of that environment and in college with people who had like, you know, goals and, you know, visions and everything. And when that came together, yes, yes. <laughs> like, and man, the sky's the limit. Like, you know, the limit you didn't have everyone just being so negative and yes. speaking all that negativity on you, trying to manifest something else. I mean, I would go to exactly. And when I went to college, I met so many d different type of people. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is what this is what my mental has always been at. But I never could get to that level yeah. because of my environment. And and people think you're different or they say this and that about you. But it's you're really too big for that city or for your environment. Exactly. So when I went to yeah, a lot so, of people are put, you know, um, what they weren't able to do and accomplish, they will put that off on you. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of people from small towns are fearful, you know, but and then they get a certain age and they start looking, you know what? I wish I could have done this. And well, you could have, but you didn't. Yeah. And now you looking at this young lady who has removed herself from this environment and is, you know, going off and doing big things. But you know what? Some people will find that problematic. I think that's yes. another podcast <laughs> episode. Exactly. Yes. You're it's, always thinking of something else. Another <laughs> podcast. Always. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but that's the hey, that's real spill. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of that is going on, you know, in these small towns, you know, they'll, they'll the take it to the level. Like you think That's it. that you're better than people. You think this and that, and it's just not that you just, you want better for yourself. And when you, at a time you didn't think it, you know, you didn't, you didn't know. And you go to college and stuff and your whole, a whole different world opened up for her. That's a whole amazing. different world. It's in, in when I, I mean, who would have ever thought this girl uh, her grandmother is smoking a crack pipe in the bathroom with her and my grandfather beating her to death and he's drinking himself to death. Who would have thought that little girl would have went to college and was over a hundred students or, you know, having to speak in front of 10,000 students at, at a homecoming show or being on homecoming court. It was so many different things. And you that, know what? I think I even mm-hmm. saw a video. I was going back, just kind of looking at stuff. We could kind of, you know, touch on mm-hmm. and I think I came across officer Norman oh yeah yes yes so that and that was after I graduated because I was still doing charity work um when I graduated uh there's a guy that uh he puts on this um his name is Steph and we would come together for uh, we came together for about three or four years him and his wife would put on this charity event where they would give free haircuts out and I was kind of like the organizer where I bring out, you know, the students and we would have, you know, uh, get backpacks together, free food. And I invited Officer Norman out and he came out and spoke. And that is absolutely just, amazing. Yeah. 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 So, is so he, I mean, is he, is he the real deal? Like, you know, what we see on the Internet? He is. I mean, it's it's so different seeing him in person because. He doesn't act like a celebrity. He just comes up. Hey, what's up? What's up? Oh, what's going on? Hey, and when Lo- he doesn't there, know who Officer Norman is, yeah, who's, can you who's educate Officer him a Norman? little bit? <laughs> yeah. So, Officer and for the audience Norman, that's listening right now, too. <laughs> yeah. So, Officer Norman is a police officer out of North Little Rock, if, if I'm not mistaken, and he pretty much went viral over the past years. Like, I want to say back in 2015. 2016, he really started going really viral, like Sierra. But he had, but he had been doing this stuff for years. That's Yeah, that's and what that, I was getting and to. And there was one he, rapper, producer, who mm-hmm. kind of put him out there, and it went viral, I think. I think it was The Game. Okay. The Game, okay. Um, because he had been doing this. Officer Norman, like, people that I went to college with, they said, we remember Officer Norman when we was, like, 10, 9 years old. That's amazing. He's been doing this for years, but... You see how you put 20, 30 years into something and it took him 30 years to get recognized by, you know, famous people, even though that's probably not what he was going for. But it came to that. Now he, you know, certified, got blue check mark. And I mean, he doesn't even he's very humble. Oh, when you watch the videos with the all star crew, you know, I mean, it's it's real. Those people love him. He loves them. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You know, all we need yeah. is, you know, a world full of Officer Normans. <laughs> Come through and yes. check on people. You know, some people may not have a bite to eat that day. You know, he goes, he takes Tina's, one of them, get her hair done. You know, yep. I mean, they look forward to him coming. I mean, they just run to the to the car. And I think they stopped him from actually being in his police car. And Yes, they film, did. Yeah, I believe crazy it. to me because, you know, it was a good look for, for the police, you know. Yeah, that's what that they're supposed to protect and provide. So, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother story. That goes but. to show, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, not yeah. all cops, you know, are, you know, yeah. out here racial profiling and all that. 
There are really good cops out there who really go to work every day and, you know, they are really trying to make a difference. And so thank you, Officer Norman. I hope you get to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yes, thank you. you. But if y'all don't know about Officer Norman, y'all need to look him up. I think it's Tony or Tommy. I don't know because Lois calls him Tony. And I, I think, think his name is Tommy. T. Norman Tommy. or something. It says Tommy Norman mm-hmm. on his uh, Tommy. Tommy is his name, but it may be T. Norman. Mm-hmm. He's on Instagram too. But yeah, yeah but I'm sorry we got, got off on that. But oh. yeah, so, but, so they were, you know, you would um, host these events and. Yes. And so that's kind of where real estate comes into play. And I know I, I can be long winded, but I have to story tell in my brain for it to make sense to y'all. Um, <laughs> No, for me to like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing I do. I have to do this whole storytelling. Hey, for it to all we come keep up it to real point. here. Just, just be yourself. <laughs> just, just be yeah. yourself. Yeah. So basically, when I was in college and I was doing all the charity work, mind you, I'm over all these uh, nonprofits, and I'm not getting a, a dime for it. So it made sense when I graduated college. Um, I ended up working for Bank of America. And I went into the corporate world. And as soon as I walked in and I saw all of these desks next to each other, my heart dropped from like from my chest to my feet. I said, <laughs> this is prison. This is yeah. prison. Yeah. But guess what? I took I took the job anyway. I said, hey, it's an opportunity for me to move to Dallas. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go ahead and follow through with it. Loved it. Became top performer in different positions and stuff like that. But then. Mm-hmm. I was remembering myself, this is not it. This is right. not the end all, be all. And you know what you're about. You're bigger than this. And I took the test. I took the real estate exam. And my dad had tried to get me to do real estate so long ago. Mm-hmm. And I commend to whoever's listening. If you have a high schooler that's interested in real estate, let them get their real estate license mm-hmm. Over the summer before they go to college. Yep. They're 18 years old with a license at 18. Uh-huh. I got mine in in uh, what I was, what, 20, 25, mm-hmm. 24. And just imagine if you get a head start, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I was in classes. Yeah. you mind mm-hmm. sharing your biggest commission you've gotten off of, off of one home? Oh, okay. Uh my biggest commission off of a home, not a wholesale deal, which is totally different. The biggest commission I got was uh, twenty two thousand. And that's, that's good. the biggest. Yeah, that's the biggest commission I've ever gotten, and that was from a um, that was from a new build construction. They was offering um, a five percent um, transaction fee, which we all know that most transaction fees are three mm-hmm. percent. Um, some of them are two and a half percent. Some can go down to two percent. So, um, and now it's just so crazy. Some builders are not even paying. So, wow. yeah. So now realtors have to be creative. Like you have to do apartment leasing, or you may have to do house rentals, you or you may have to. Out of the box. Yes, or in, you know, uh, work with uh, sellers and things of that nature. So. You have to be creative in this market because Dallas is the number one market. And guess what? Dallas probably had the most realtors. So you are competing with everybody. Everyone has a real estate license. So how are you going to make yourself, you know, different or stand out? Yeah. 
So tell me, mm-hmm. you know, how hard is it for a sister out here in these real estate streets? These days? You know what? It's so, <laughs> let me tell you how crazy this is. On my statistics, I've closed more non-black people than I have my own uh, people. And I don't know why. Um, I think because I will say when I started with Kelly Williams, I had a database that was um, not necessarily a whole bunch of black people in that database as far as the CRM. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically what um, I had to pull from were mainly uh, Caucasians, um, Hispanics, or Indian and things of that nature. And I think a lot of times us as black people, we do want to buy, but we, you know how we grew up. A lot of our credit is not up to par. Or, you know, it may be situations where if you do have a black couple, they don't want to use you because they don't know you, you know. Some black black people people just don't trust other black people. They, they don't. don't we don't trust do a, each don't other. You'll do a good job. They, don't, they, don't, they think you won't be professional. <laughs> I mean, they there's don't. reasons for that, though. I mean, in yeah. my time of experience, we can't be unprofessional. Everybody, uh, all races can be unprofessional. But you're saying, like, I mean, just more of us can be unprofessional, you know. Yeah. But that's just a lack of knowledge most of the time. Yeah. You know what? That's true because you may get, um, you know, you may work with an investor and as a realtor, if you're working with an investor, they're going to have a whole different buying mindset than a regular buyer. Mm-hmm. So they're, if they work with the most experienced uh, realtor, they're going to probably say, oh, you're not educated. Mm-hmm. And it's not that. It's just you study a whole different formula. You're going in it as an asset mm-hmm. where a house is not even an asset unless you have more than one door on the uh residential property anyway so and a lot of people don't know that either i try to explain to people you know sometimes people ask you oh well um my home is my asset and i'm like no it isn't you know unless you're renting it out or you know it has more than one door like a multi-family Mm-hmm. And your return is going to be much slower, much lower. And so a lot of times you try to tell people that, but you know, yes, you do have equities and lines of credit you can get on your home and things of that nature, which will secure. But when you're talking about investments, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sh- sharing that. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome. So- yeah the market in in the dfw area so are you mainly just selling in the dfw area yes so i did branch out to houston and austin earlier this year by the way i love houston people they're they are phenomenal and they're easy to help um they're pretty straightforward dallas is a little bit more uppity and it's a little Mm. bit more particular um so you have to work maybe 15 times more harder than if you were in the Houston market. And that's no lie because wow. I believe that. Dallas is different. You believe that too? Believe Why that. you believe that? Dallas is very bougie, especially in uptown <laughs> and like downtown area. I'm have ridden through there and it's just like, yeah, it's not, yeah. it seems more Hollywood than Houston is. Hmm. Yes. So I, um, I've had to have so many meetings in like uptown, um, a popular spot is McKinney Avenue. 
Then you got West Village. You got Deep Ellum. Deep Ellum is starting to become a little bit more. Man, they're uppity, diverse but, out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, you got different places that's on the rise. Like Trinity Groves used to be the hood. Um, you got Bishop Arts. Um, you got Oak Cliff is, is totally different. You know, I went there to lunch to meet um, um, a potential partner in a business. And when I met with her, I mean, it was almost felt like uptown a little bit. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it the infrastructure. So, so basically, it's a is, lot of it's some gentrification going on. Oh, a yeah. little rabble Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, for sure. Yes, for sure. It's been so, a while. I hadn't lived in the DFW area since yeah, like 2010. So <laughs> yeah. So as far as the market, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. We've had units like just for instance, a three to four bedroom house, standard for my average couples. I'm gonna give y'all this story. I had a. I have a couple right now because they're still my clients. Um, we looked at 45 homes. They're both teachers and they make good money. But guess what? You cannot win an offer if you're going against an investor. All these investors from California. You ain't going to make it. And they blowing you out the water. So the market is crazy right now. Like it's so crazy. So basically that's what's going on. Like you got all these investors from different parts of the United States that are coming in and, and, and bidding versus someone who lives, you know, in that area who's just trying to find a home to live so, in. Like this one guy, he told me, he said, right now what's happening in Dallas is what happened years and years and years ago in California. If you don't buy a piece of land, you're not going to be able to afford it in the future. Like how people can't afford it at all. Like we, okay, one of my clients, I sold them a home in a subdivision that's about two miles where, from where I live. That house sold, they went on a contract about 291000 close to 300000 Their neighbor, mind you, this is a brand new subdivision. Their neighbor just sold their house um, and sold it over 100000 asking. And it's not even, it's been like maybe, maybe a good year. Are you serious? I'm not lying. Oh, they taxing. <laughs> I'm not lying. So... Wow. That's what's going on in this market. Things are a hundred thousand over. Wow. So, so imagine is if it a you good time to buy or not <laughs> in the DFW area. It's a great it's always a great time to buy, but however, however, is it is it a right time for you and your spouse or yeah. you and yourself or whatever? Because it just depends. Like it's always a great time to buy, even if the market is bad. Mm-hmm. Because the market is always real estate investment is the number one investment you can make. That's going to be long-term and make your money back. Like you can't lose in real. I mean, it's, it's almost hard to lose your money. Now there's, there's flippers out there that, you know, they break even or they take a loss, but if you buy and hold, um, you're, you're set for life. But right now for an average couple, that's, I'm just saying that because that's most buyers. If, average couple or whatever they want to go buy a three or four bedroom house and they both make fifty thousand dollars each which i'm saying you know average so they're coming out about a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah for one that knocks them out of the down payment assistance program Mm. and because you can't make over ninety nine thousand 
most people in DMW, they at least make anywhere from 50 to 75 easy each. So you're going in, okay, I don't have the capital for down payment. Then used to, we could come in, okay, we help them out on closing costs. There's no seller that's going to give any buyer closing costs at this point. There's no way. So, you know, we can get creative and wrap it into the loan and, you know, um, it's different ways, but right now realtors are trying to get buddy, buddy with listing agents, trying to see what we can do to make the deal work. And at the end of the day, the investors, no, I mean, like, I'm not saying like buddy, buddy, but it's kind of like, Hey, you're my friend. You list this house. Mm -hmm. We submit our offer. You know, if you got an offer that looks just like mine, make sure you pull mine. That's kind of what <laughs> yeah. they're trying to do, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, most people are going with the cash buyers, the investors. I mean, mm-hmm. they can close in seven days. They're, you know, opting out of the option period. They're not even asking for an inspection. So imagine that you're a seller. You're selling your home. You used to have to do upgrades in your home to sell your home. Um, there's people, they're not even, they don't even have the furniture moved out. They're like, oh, we'll just pay some movers. We'll get some movers in and out of here. They're not, they're not fixing HVACs, electrical problems. That house could have foundation issues. These buyers, these cash buyers do not care. So what a seller is going to do, am I going to go with a, a traditional buyer where I have to go through inspection, option period, and you back out because you find out this is going on and I got to fix this? No, I'm going to go with the cash buyer. It's closing seven days. But there's an aha to all of this. Mm. The sellers that selling their houses and they want to go out for bigger homes. They can't find a home because the money that they just made, they're going to have to spend that into the, the bigger house that they're going into. So it's all a cycle. You know, you got people that's made over 100000 on their home and they're cashing out. And they're like, oh, I want to go buy me a bigger home now. You can't get it because the cash wow. buyer that you just accepted outbidded you on the next one. So, Ooh. you know, it's, it's a you know, the fight cash- out there right now. <laughs> yeah, the cash buyers are, they are the ones, um, the rich going to keep getting richer and the middle class is starting to be wiped out. I see. Yeah. And, and that's to my point, you know, and this is a very touchy subject, but, um, the rich will always keep getting richer. So you have to do things to, you know, if you want to find a mentor to, you know, get on that pathway, that's a good you know, thing to do. But as far as the middle class, we are the working class and middle class is the working class. And, um, some of the lower classes, they're not going to work. They're not doing much. And I, I'm not going to really touch on that because that can get a little political and, you know, people have children and things of that nature, but the middle class is, they're pretty much getting wiped out and it's, it's hard on their body. That's why a lot of them, they have stopped going to work too. So it's kind of like, either rich or you poor right now it's it's just kind of it's just kind of you know what what ball game are you gonna play or what you know where are you gonna yeah. end at mm-hmm. well, well i'll tell you what you've given us a lot of information and i thank you so <laughs> much for being so transparent 
Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, all that you've went through and all that you have, you know, you have just rose above just <laughs> things yeah. that people just would not imagine. And I just thank you for sharing, you know, sharing some of your story. Cause I know that's not all to it, but I thank you for sharing. You know. Oh yes, for yes, for sure. And you know, this is with this market being crazy. It just strives me, for me to go harder and not give up. The realtors that do give up during this time, they're gonna miss out on their blessings because you know you have to you have to go through the tough times. And even if it's a tough market, you still can make money. You know, you still make money. And I've made the most money I've ever had during the COVID years so really yeah because i mean everything is through virtual or you know it's i mean everybody wants to buy (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know it's you know i've I've made the most during these times so i'm not complaining Mm -hmm. and um but for any potential buyer get with a realtor call me Um, my phone number is 682-561-2615 um, my website is davidthecloser.com. And if you're looking to buy and you can't buy until another year or two, hey, I'll still put you in my database and we will communicate and I will follow up with you and get you, you know, going to whatever you need, apartment, house, whatever. That's awesome. Awesome. See, I like that. That's the first person that plugged their information without us asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Yes. So, um, my Instagram is Debbie, the closer that D E V I T H E C L O S E R. And also I have the golden sharpest that's D G O L D E N S H A R P E S T. That's my personal page, but you know, if you want to just follow Debbie, the closer, that's totally fine. Um, I do a lot of my marketing on Instagram. I just love Instagram and um, you can follow me there and, you know, catch up with all my real estate tips and, you know, how the market is going. And that's how you'll stay updated with me. Awesome. So you're not TikToking. I am. I do have a TikTok. It's at Devi. Um, it's just D-E-V-I. Um, TikTok, I'm still learning, you know, (laughs) um, TikTok, it takes a little bit more editing and, you know, it's something I'm having to learn just a little bit more. (laughs) That's that's all I'm going to say. What what about YouTube? Are you doing anything on YouTube? I know you used to. Yes. So it's D golden sharpest as well on YouTube where you can find me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Man, I yeah, can't and all I put my plugs at all. <laughs> like, I, was like, what, I was like, what is my YouTube? My <laughs> yeah, anyway, I tell you what. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you so much. And you know, I know you're busy. I know your dog tired. <laughs> I know you need yeah. to rest. But you know, so grateful that you, um, you know, took the time out of your um, your peaceful night <laughs> to come on. Um, the show with us but we love to have you back oh yes anytime <laughs> and, thank hey, y'all and y'all as a co-host as well oh yes yes <laughs> anytime all right all right well thanks so much you have a good one you too thank y'all have a good night thanks for listening y'all Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.